It's Tuesday, and you know what that means. It's a new episode with the Murder Bucket Podcast. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to Tuesday. Tonight, we are starting our new series called Last Supper. The inspiration for this series is from a book I received for Christmas from a friend titled The Serial Killer Cookbook, True Crime Trivia and Disturbingly Delicious Last Meals from Death Row's Most Infamous Killers and Murderers, written by Ashley Lecker. The description on the back of the book states, Bring your love of true crime into the kitchen with meals ranging from the bizarre, a single unpitted black olive, to the gluttonous, a dozen deep-fried shrimp, a bucket of fried chicken, french fries, and a pound of strawberries. Inspired by Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, and other notorious death row inmates. During this series, we will be discussing the life and crimes of each inmate featured in this book, as well as attempting to eat whatever their last meal was and reviewing it. There are a total of 38 inmates featured in this book. However, we have already done an episode on Aileen Warnos, so there will only be 37 episodes. Go back to episode 14 and listen to our take on her life and how she killed seven men and her execution. Some episodes in this series might be long and detailed because of the information that is available online, while others might be short and sweet because of the lack of information online. In the first episode of the Last Supper series, we are discussing Stephen Wayne Anderson. Before we get started, let's quickly do a week-slash-weekend recap. Nothing too exciting happened in the last week except for everybody in our household finally tested negative for COVID, so we were able to get out, go to work, go to church. It was great. The only real interesting thing that we did was on Saturday, we went out to breakfast slash lunch and then went to a record shop in our area and got about a handful of things that were like a dollar, three dollars, five dollars. We usually just look for records like in the bargain bin because normally we can find what we want. We occasionally will spend like full price for a record if it's something like newer or something that we just can't find anywhere. But we got a few pretty good things. Uh, Jackson Brown. I got a John F. Kennedy speech album. I know it's probably not interesting to you, but it's fascinating to me. I got a Peter, Paul, and Mary album. My husband got an album by Rocket from the Crypt. Don't know if you know that. I've never heard it, but apparently he loves it. And I don't remember the other stuff that we bought off the top of my head without actually going and finding them. And that's pretty much the only interesting thing that happened this past week slash weekend. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get started with tonight's episode. Let me introduce you to Stephen Wayne Anderson. Now, there's not a lot of information about Stephen's life before he committed his crimes. This is about the only thing that I can find. Stephen was born on July 8, 1953. His father was an alcoholic with a temper, and his mother was emotionally abusive. When he was just 14 years old, his mother kicked him and his brother out of the house forcing them to bounce between friends and family. Fast forward to when Stephen was in his 20s. 
He was serving a 10 to 50 year sentence at Utah State Prison after being convicted on one count of aggravated burglary when he broke into a school in Farmington, New Mexico, and threatened two police officers. While there, he murdered fellow inmate on August 24, 1977. He also assaulted another inmate as well as a correctional officer. On November 24, 1979, Stephen escaped Utah State Prison. He was on the run until May 26, 1980, when he broke into the home of 81-year-old retired piano teacher Elizabeth Lyman just after 1 a.m. He proceeded to cut her telephone line with a knife. He didn't realize that she was at home, and while going through her things, she woke up, which startled him. He shot her in the face with his 45 caliber handgun while she was still lying in her bed. Stephen then proceeded to cover her body with a blanket and then retrieve the bullet casing and ransack her house for money. He then decided to go into her kitchen and eat dinner, which consisted of noodles and eggs. A neighbor was woken up by their dogs barking and noticed through a window Stephen sitting in Elizabeth's house. The neighbor called 911 and a sheriff's deputy showed up to interrupt his meal. Stephen was then arrested and taken to the San Bernardino Sheriff's Substation in Fontana. He admitted to murdering Elizabeth and told investigators, I was born and trained to be a killer. I always wanted to be a killer. There is little to no information regarding Stephen's trial. The only details we have is that during his trial, he admitted to stabbing to death a fellow inmate at Utah State Prison. He also admitted that after he escaped prison, he was paid $1,000 to shoot a man who was suspected of being a drug informant. He later recanted this confession. On Wikipedia.com, it states that prosecutors pointed out his violent history and that he was too dangerous to be kept alive. They stated this during their closing arguments. So remember that when you consider what he's done and what he's testified to. This particular individual is a sociopath. He cannot live with anybody. He cannot get along with anybody. He kills people everywhere. He stabs people everywhere. He stabbed an individual in prison, and you'll have the court documents that shows where he pled guilty. And he admitted that while in the Utah State Prison, sitting in a movie, he stabbed an inmate there. And as a result of that stabbing, he was convicted of aggravated assault by a prisoner with a deadly weapon. He stabbed Mr. Blundell and killed Mr. Blundell while he was in prison. He admitted that he killed him. He told you that just before he came down here from San Quentin, he got into a fight with the people in San Quentin and his housing was changed because he was fighting. There is no place that anybody is going to be safe from this individual. He looks out for old number one, and that's all he's concerned with, and forget about the rest of the world. On July 24, 1981, Stephen was convicted of one count of first-degree murder with special circumstances and one count of residential burglary. He was sentenced to death. Stephen's defense lawyers attempted to save him from execution by claiming that his original lawyer didn't assist him the way that he should have. They claim that during his trial, his lawyer never spoke with him outside of the courtroom and only contacted one relative and presented no case during the penalty phase. 
They called it ineffective representation. Every attempt to get his conviction overturned failed. On the evening of January 29, 2002, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to halt his execution. They voted 8-0 to to reject his request for a stay of execution and a request to rehear his case. His lawyers then asked Governor Davis to save him, claiming that he did not receive a fair trial. They attempted to disqualify Governor Davis from deciding Stevens' clemency request because they believed he was biased. Stevens' family and friends tried to argue that even with child abuse and neglect, he had changed because he was within the controlled confines of prison. On ClarkProsecutor.org, it states that he wrote poetry while in prison. Here is one that he wrote on September 25, 2000, titled, I Miss Them All. I miss leaves whispering softly through the evening haze, little conversations upon the breeze, rustling giggles, and hush, child, hush. I miss fresh-cut summer grass, turned wet and vibrant green. Ah, yes. I miss those bugs annoying my nose, my eyes, my ears. I miss cursing at their taunts. I miss catching scent of honeysuckle, lifted warm on gentlest breeze, and the sound of distant children playing at dusk, called for supper but reluctant to go. I miss the harsh bit of wood smoke, drifting through the heavy autumn air, and the scent of dead things burned against obscure horizons, rising upwards into a thousand sunset colors. I miss listening to the sounds of night, crickets chirping and birds calling each other. I miss watching life unfold and hearing echoes continuing through winter colds. I miss so much living behind these walls, cloistered away from the world beyond, but sometimes I hear the rain across the roof and smell it upon the sidewalks cleaned. I miss the sensation of all things purified, of life free of all its burdens, and I miss just living for sunsets and the moon and of those things lost. Hush, child, hush. What was Stephen's Last Supper request? Stephen asked for two grilled cheese sandwiches, American cheese only, one pint of plain cottage cheese with no fruit, a hominy slash corn mixture, one piece of peach pie, one pint of chocolate ice cream, and radishes. I didn't get a chance to make any of the food for tonight's episode, but I have to say that his request is not super weird. I love a classic grilled cheese sandwich, although normally I make it with a little bit of mayonnaise, a tomato, and a little bit of black pepper. I don't like cottage cheese at all. I've never had a hominy slash corn mixture before. I do like corn. I mean, I'm willing to give it a try, so maybe I will in the future. Piece of peach pie, super classic, delicious. A pint of chocolate ice cream. I don't think I could eat that completely by myself in one sitting. And the radishes, I don't really understand. I kind of like radishes, kind of don't. Like, I don't eat them very often, but when I do, they aren't super bad. That's really the only review I have about his Last Supper. At 12.18 a.m. on January 29th, 2002, Stephen was executed by lethal injection at San Quentin State Prison. 
he was surrounded by strangers. No relatives of his victims or members of his own family attended. The warden asked if he had any last words, and he said no. It is said that while he was lying on the gurney, his public defender, Margot, mouthed the words, I love you, three times. At 12.40 a.m., Stephen Wayne Anderson was pronounced dead. And that concludes the first episode in our Last Supper series. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Before you go, please take a moment to listen to this promo from my friends at the Always Time for True Crime podcast. Hey, True Crime fans. I'm Julia, the host of Always Time for True Crime, a podcast that focuses on lesser-known cases of evil and mystery. Join me as I dive into crime stories from all over the world, ranging from murder, both solved and unsolved, missing persons, serial killers, mass murders, and wrongful convictions. So if you think you've heard everything there is to know about Ted Bundy and JonBenet Ramsey, then come on over to Always Time for True Crime, and let me tell you about some equally terrifying and significant cases that haven't yet been fully explored in the true crime community. You can find Always Time for True Crime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.